I sometimes read uh, public domain books here on Leaves of Glen. And they were written a long time ago, uh, so they're usually uh, racist or sexist or bigoted. Uh, but in there somewhere and all that is a, a story, and that's why those stories are famous. Other times, I read uh, works from independent authors, and they're delightfully not racist, but they might have adult language or adult situations. So that's your warning, uh, but I'm sure you uh, are grown up enough to handle it. Don't write to me complaining. You know what I did today? Uh, nothing exciting at all. Oh, I was supposed to start with my, my new intro. Hey, kids! Was that what it was supposed to be? I can't remember anymore. I need a, I need a catchphrase that I start the show off with, and I can't think of anything. Well, in any case, I didn't do anything spectacular, but yet it was deeply fulfilling. I woke up way earlier than I expected to wake up, and then I uh, cleaned the house and put away all the Halloween decorations and uh, kind of reclaimed my house back. Uh, I put up my Sensi uh, wax melter. Burp. I'm drinking kombucha. Makes me gassy. And, uh, and then just dusted and vacuumed and did all this stuff. Boy, was I proud of myself. Oh, I took out the garbage. Uh, I took a nap. Uh, did I say I went grocery shopping? I did that real early in the morning. And now I'm doing a podcast. Because that's what the month of November is all about. Mundane, boring, themeless, uh, stupid stuff. Which you get to do right before the big month of December. Where it's time to put up your tree. Or uh, you put the tinsel and your uh, staircase. Uh, your Christmas lights. And all that stuff. So this is my respite before the onslaught of home decoration. And then kind of never being comfortable in your own home. Always kind of walking around thinking, uh, it's going to be a pain in the butt to take these lights down again. And uh, tree, the cat keeps getting in that tree. That uh, sucks. Yeah, it's just kind of anxiety. And then once, once that's done, then life will go back to normal. And, and then I'll be happy. That's it. I have nothing else to talk about. Uh, I sort of had a... Uh, like a midlife crisis when it came to should I continue to buy the weird hair product that my my hair cutting salon person told me to use they said oh you're not getting a receding hairline but it's getting a little thin uh, around the that line right there in the front and if you use this stuff it'll thicken it right up so I've used it for like four or five months and I can't tell if it's working and then I start to think, why am I buying this? Uh, who am I trying to look good for? I don't have anybody in my life that I need to look good for. Uh, except for my kids. They don't care what I look like. They barely look at me. And so, I thought to myself as I was in the shower, Hey, you know, I gotta be, keep buying this crap. I just get head and shoulders like a normal person. Uh, if I want to get fancy, I'll just go, go to Target and buy tea tree uh, shampoo and conditioner. Why am I buying this crap for? So that's pretty much it. And uh, even though it sounds like nothing at all, it's deeply, deeply satisfying. Oh, I have the nagging, the nagging feeling every time I get in my car, and the the low, low tear, uh, tire, the air of the tires are low, and the light comes on, and I'm like, ah, crap! Now I gotta go sit out in the cold and fill up the tire 
uh, or the tires. Who knows which one's low? Uh, so that's something that's hanging over me every night when I go to sleep. Let's dive into our story. When you can't uh, find any information, uh, new or exciting, about the author whose collections you're going to be reading, uh, you start to look around. Uh, It's a collection of fairy tales uh, from the Blue Fairy Book. Uh, And I I thought, well, let's uh, look up the next story uh, that I'm going to read, which is East of the Sun and West of the Moon. And I found a website called Fairy Tale Wiki. And that just says, uh, East of the Sun, West of the Moon, as a Norwegian fairy tale collected by Peter Christensen, Abs Jordsonson, and Jorgen Moe. It is uh, about the search for a lost husband, and it was included by Andrew Lang in the Blue Fairy Book. It is related to both the tale of Cupid and Psyche, and to Beauty and the Beast. And that's it. That just tells you the plot, which I'm not going to read to you, because that's just the whole story truncated. And that, well, this sucks. How am I supposed to... How am I supposed to make this come to life for you if I have nothing to say about the author or the story I'm about to read beyond just that? So, distraught by that, and uh, also distraught by the fact that I'm going to be unemployed in a few months, I walk down to the gas station and uh, went up to the counter, and the lady behind the counter said, "Eh, what do you want? And then I said, I don't know. I'm despondent. And she said, uh, Oh, well, it sounds like you got a lot on your mind. Perhaps now is the time to smoke cigarettes. And I said, Well, perhaps I should. Uh, This sounds like a time to do something self-destructive and brooding. And she said, Or perhaps you need to brush up on a skill that's useful to help you feel like you have control of uh, things in your life. And I said, Like, what skill? She said, Email behavior. I said, go on. And she said, eh, the quick email behavior is just bad according to the experts. Eh? You click the send button without thinking what you have just written. The quick response is always awaited by the sender. However, it can damage your reputation in the personal and professional world if you write bad response. <laughs> it will be better if you check what you just have written before you click the send button. I said, my God, that's helpful. And... Uh, clearly, you've taken this from some ancient Greek text and uh, translated it wonderfully. And she said, thank you. Would you like one more before you go? And I said, yes, I'd love another one. And she said, uh, eh, here's a little something about email etiquette. Introduce yourself. And I said, go on. And she said, oh, it'd be perfect if the email begins with you introducing yourself briefly. Not all people know you in the professional world. Thus, a brief introduction is needed. And I said, I've never thought of that. You know, I start off most of my emails saying, uh, Phil, do that thing I asked you to do. And that's it. I never introduced myself. And I'm emailing complete strangers. Thank you for your tip. Turned around, and as I was just about to leave with my pack of cigarettes, uh, she said, oh, don't forget the bad news. And I said, what? And she said, uh, uh, don't, don't forget the bad news. I said, what's that? She said, when you want to... When you want to give bad news to others, it will be better if you do not do it on email. 
uh, email lasts forever since it is written on the platform. And when you want to reprimand others, express anger, or fire others, do not do it on emails. And I tapped my nose, winked, and pointed to her as she giggled and rubbed her belly. And then I walked out the door and came here to do this episode. East of the Sun and West of the Moon by Who Knows. Once upon a time, ah, there was a poor husbandsman <laughs> who had many children and little to give them in way of either food or clothing. Ah, they were all pretty, ah, but the prettiest of all was the youngest daughter, who was, uh, who was so beautiful that there was no bounds to her beauty. Uh, so once... Uh, it was late on a mm, Thursday evening in autumn. Uh, the wild weather outside, uh, terribly dark, and raining so heavily and blowing so hard that the walls of the cottage shook again. You know, this is kind of reading like that poorly translated fact thing I just did. They were all burps, sitting together by the fireside, each of them busy with uh, something or other, when suddenly uh, someone rapped three times against the window pane. Ah, the man went out to see what could be the matter, and when he got out there, uh, stood a great big white bear. Uh, good evening to you, said the white bear. Eh, good evening, said the man. Will you give me your youngest daughter, asked the white bear. If you will, you shall be as rich as you are now poor. Like excessively, or just kind of average? I don't understand. Truly the man would have had no objection to be rich, yeah, but he thought to himself, I must first ask my daughter about this. So he went in and told them that there was a, a great white bear outside who had faithfully promised to make them all rich if he might uh, but have the youngest daughter. Well, she said no uh, and would not hear of it, so the man went out again and settled with the white bear that he should come again uh, next Thursday evening uh, to get her answer, but she said no. Then the man persuaded her and talked so much to her about the wealth. How does he trust the bear <laughs> that they would have? And what good thing it would be for herself uh, that at last she made up her mind to go. Well, that sucks. And washed and mended all her rags and made herself as smart as she could and held herself in readiness to set out. Little enough had she to take away with her. Next Thursday evening, yeah, the white bear came to fetch her, and she seated herself on his back with her bundle, that's romantic, and thus they departed. When they had gone a great part of the way, the white bear said, uh, uh, Are you afraid? Uh, no, that I am not, said she. Uh, Keep tight hold of my fur, and then there is no danger, said he. This is very romantic. And thus she rode far, far away until they came to a, to a great mountain. Then the white bear knocked on it, and a door opened. Yeah, and they went to, into a castle where there were many brilliantly lighted rooms which shone with gold and silver. Likewise, a large hall in which there was a well-spread table, and it was so magnificent that it would be hard to make anyone understand how splendid it was. Yeah, that saves you from having to write about it. Uh, the white bear gave her a silver bell hmm, and told her that when she needed anything, she had but to uh, ring this bell and what she wanted would appear. So, after she had eaten, uh, and night was drawing near, 
Uh, she grew sleepy after her journey and thought she would like to go to bed. She rang the bell, and scarcely had she touched it before she found herself in a chamber where a bed stood ready-made for her, which was as pretty as anyone could wish to sleep in. Oh, it had pillows of silk, uh, and curtains of silk fringed with gold, and, uh, and everything that was in the room was of uh, gold or silver. That's kind of boring. Was she living like the Trump Hotel? Uh, but when she had lain down, she put out a, a light. A man came and lay down beside her. And behold, it was the white bear who cast off the form of a beast during the night. Uh, she never saw him, however, for he always came after she had put out her light. It went away before daylight appeared. Ugh. So she's getting probably getting nasty with some strange man she can't even physically see. I can already see, if she just used the bell, she could whisk herself away anywhere else in the world. But she won't do it. So all went well and happily for a time, but then she began to be very sad and sorrowful. And all day long she had to go about alone, and she did not so wish to go home to her father and mother and brothers and sisters. Uh, when the white bear asked what it was she wanted, she told him that it was so dull there in the mountain that she had to go about all alone. Uh, and that in her parents' house at home there were all her brothers and sisters, and it was because she could not go to them that she was so sorrowful. Uh, there might be a cure for that, <laughs> said the white bear, if you would but promise me never to talk with your mother alone, but only when the others are there too, for she will take hold of your hand, he said, and will want to lead you into a room to talk with you alone, but that you must by no means do so, or you will bring great misery on both of us. Why is the mom suddenly the problem? So one day, or one Sunday, the white bear came and said that they could now set out to see her father and mother. And they journeyed thither, she sitting on his back, and they went for a long, long way, and it took a long, long time. That makes sense. But at last they came to a large white farmhouse, and her brothers and sisters were running about outside it, uh, playing. Oh, it's so pretty. And it was a, a pleasure, a pleasure to look at it. Your parents dwell here now, said the white bear, but do not forget what I said to you, or you will do much harm to both yourself and me. No, indeed, said she. I shall never forget. And as soon as she was at home, the white bear turned around and went back again. Uh, there were such rejoicings when she went into her parents that it seemed as if they would never come to an end. Oh, everyone thought that he could never be sufficiently grateful to her for all he had done for them and all. And, and they, they had everything that they wanted, and everything was good, as it could be. And they all asked her how she was getting on, uh, where she was at. And all was well with her, too, she said. Uh, and she had everything that she could want. Uh, what other answers... She gave, I cannot say, but I'm pretty sure that they did not learn much from her. But in the afternoon, uh, after they had dined at midday, all happened just as the white bear had said. Her mother wanted to talk with her alone in her own chamber, uh, but she remembered what the white bear had said, and she would on no account go. What we have to say can be said at any time, she answered. But somehow or other, her mother would, at last persuaded her, and she was forced to tell the whole story. So she told how every night a man came and lay down beside her when the lights were all put out, and how she, she never saw him, because he always went away before it grew light in the morning, and how she continually went about in sadness, thinking how happy she would be if she could but see him, and how all day long she had to go about alone, and it was so dull and solitary. Oh, cried the mother in horror, you are very likely sleeping a, sleep with a troll. 
but I will teach you a way to see him, and you shall have a bit of one of my candles, which you can take away with you, hidden into your breast. Look at him with that when he's asleep, but take care not to let any tallow drop upon him. So she took the candle and hid it in her breast. And when evening drew near, the white bear came to fetch her away, and when they had gone some distance uh, on their way, the white bear uh, asked her if everything had not happened just as he had foretold, and she could not but own that it had. Then, if you have done what your mother wished, said he, you have brought great misery on both of us. No, uh, she said, I have not done anything at all. So when she reached home and had gone to bed, it was just the same as it had been before. Uh, the man came and lay down beside her, uh, and late at night, and when she could hear that he was sleeping, she got up and kindled a light and lit her candle, and let her light shine on him, and saw him, and it was the the handsomest prince that eyes ever beheld. And she loved him so much that it seemed to her that she must die if she did not kiss him that very moment. Oh, so she did kiss him. But while he was, she was doing it, she let three drops of hot towel fall upon his shirt, and he awoke. Yeah, what have you, you done now? said he. Yeah, you brought misery on both of us. And if you had but held out for the space of one year, I should have been free. Yeah, I have a stepmother who's bewitched me so that I'm a, I'm a white bear by day and a man by night. But now all is at an end between you and me, and I must leave you and, and go to her. Now, she lives in a castle which lies east of the sun and west of the moon, uh, but, but there's, there's two is a princess with a nose, uh, which is three L's, L's, three L's, three L's long. And she now is the one whom I must marry. She wept and lamented, uh, but all in vain, for he go he must. Then she asked him if she could not go with him, but no, that could not be. Can you, can you tell me the way then, and I will seek you, that I may surely be allowed to do? Yes, you may do that, said he, but there is no way thither. It lies east of the sun and uh, west of the moon, so you could never find your way there. When she awoke in the morning, both the prince and the castle were gone. And she was lying on a small green patch in the midst of a, a dark, thick wood. By her side lay the selfsame bundle of rags, which she had brought with her from her own home. So when she had rubbed the sleep out of her eyes and, and wept till she was weary, she set out on her way, and thus she walked for many and many a long day, until at last she came to a great mountain. Outside it, an aged woman was sitting, playing with a, with a golden apple. Yeah, the girl asked her if she knew the way of the princess who lived with his stepmother in the castle, which lay uh, east of the sun and uh, west of the moon, and who was uh, to marry a princess with a nose like uh, three L's long. Uh, how do you happen to know about him? inquired the old woman. Uh, maybe you are uh, she who ought to have had him. Uh, yes, indeed I am, she said. So it is you then, said the old woman. I know nothing about him, but that he dwells in a castle which is east of the sun and west of the moon, and you will be a long time in getting to it, if ever uh, you get to it at all. But you shall have the loan of my horse, and then you can ride it uh, to an old woman who is a neighbor of mine, and perhaps she can tell you about him. <laughs> when you got there, you must just strike the horse beneath the left ear, and uh, bid it to go home again. But you may take the golden apple with you. So eh, the girl seated herself on the horse and rode for a long, long way. And at last she came uh, uh, to a mountain. There's a lot of mountains where an aged woman was sitting outside with a gold carding comb. 
The girl asked her if she knew the way to the castle, which leads to the sun west of the moon, and she said that the first old woman had said, I know nothing about it, uh, but that it is east of the sun west of the moon, and that you will be a long time getting to it if you ever get to it. This is like the exact same text. They just removed the apple with carding comb. Uh, the load of my horse, the old woman who lives in the nearest street, perhaps she may know where the castle is. And when you have got to her, you may just strike the horse beneath the left ear and bid it to go home. Am I, what, what's going on? <laughs> Am I having a stroke? Then she gave her the gold carding comb. No, I guess not. For it might perhaps be of use to her, she said. So, the girl seated herself on the horse and rode a wearisome long way onward again until after a very long time she came to a great mountain where an aged woman was sitting spinning on a golden spinning wheel. Of this woman, too, she inquired if she knew the way to the prince and where to find the castle which lay east of the sun of the moon, but it was only the same thing once again. Maybe it was you who should have had the prince, said the old woman. Yes, indeed, I should have been the one, said the girl, but this old crone knew the way no better than the others. It was east of the sun, west of the moon, she knew that. But you will be a long time in getting to it, if ever get to it at all. I This is this is like the book The King in Yellow, where uh, you read it and it slowly drives you insane. But you have the loan of my horse, and I think you ought better ride uh, to the east wind and ask him. Perhaps he may know where the castle is and will blow you thither. But when you've got to him, you must strike the horse beneath the left ear. Oh my God, and he will come home again. And then she gave her the golden spinning wheel, which must be pretty big, saying, perhaps you may find that you have use for it. Well, the girl had to ride uh, for a great many days for a long and wearisome time before she got there. But at last she did arrive. And then she asked the east wind if he would tell her the way to the prince who dwelt east of the sun and west of the moon. Well, said the east wind, is it just a wind or is it a man? I have heard tell of the prince and of his castle, and I do not know the way to it, for I have never blown so far. I guess it's just a shapeless wind she's talking to, who also happens to be a man. But, uh, if you like, I will go with you to my brother, uh, the West Wind, and he may know that, for he is much stronger than I am, and uh, you may sit on my back, and I will carry you there. So she seated herself on his back. What back? What is he? And they did go so swiftly, exclamation point. And when they got there, the East Wind went in and said that the girl whom he had brought was the one who ought to have uh, had the prince up at the castle, which lay to the east of the sun of the west of the moon, and now is traveling about to find him again. And so he had come there with her, and would like to hear if the West Wind knew whereabout the castle was. No, said the West West Wind, uh, so far as that I have... Never blown, but if you like, I'll go with you uh, to the south wind. Oh, my God. For he is much stronger than either of us, and he has roamed far and wide. Perhaps he can tell you uh, what you want to know. Ah, you may seat yourself on my back, and then I will carry you to him. Oh. <laughs> so she did this, then journeyed to the south wind. Neither, uh... Was she very long on the way? And when they got there, the west wind asked him if he could tell her the way to the castle that lay east of the sun and west of the moon, for she was the girl who ought to marry the prince who lived there. Oh, indeed, said the south wind. 
Is that she? Well, said he, I've wandered about a great deal of my time and in all kinds of places, and I've never blown so far as that. Oh, if you like, however, I will go with you to my brother. Oh, my God, the North Wind, who he says is the oldest and strongest of all of us, and if he does not know where he is, no one in the whole world will be able to tell you. You may sit upon my back, and then I will carry you there. So she seated herself on the back, uh, and off she went uh, from his house in the great haste. They were not long on the way, and when they came near the north wind's dwelling, what is, is it just wind? Or is it an animal? Is it like she goes to the dwelling, like this house, and it's just like wind holding a glass of cognac by the fire? <laughs> like, I don't understand what's happening. What, what back is she climbing onto? Uh, so wild and frantic uh, that they felt cold gusts as long a while before they got there. And what do you want? He roared out from afar. And they froze as they heard. Said the south wind, it is I, and this is she who should have the prince who lives in the castle which lies east of the sun and west of the moon. And now she wishes to ask you if you've ever been there and can tell her the way, for she would gladly find him again. Yes, said the north wind. I know where it is, and I once blew an aspen leaf there. <laughs> but I was so tired uh, that for many days afterwards I was not able to, to blow it all. However, if you really are anxious to go there and are not afraid to go with me, I will take you on my back and try, if I can, to blow you there. Get there I must, said she, and if there is any way of going, I will, and I have no fear, no matter how fast you go. Very well, then, said the north wind. Ah, but you must sleep here tonight, <laughs> for if we are ever to get there, we must have the day before us. The north wind woke her at bedtimes next morning, puffed himself up, made himself so big and so strong that it was frightful to see him. And away they went, high up into the air as if they would not stop until they had reached the very end of the world. Down below there was such a storm. Oh, it blew down woods and houses. And when they were above the sea, the ships were wrecked by hundreds, and thus they tore on and on. And a long time went by, and then yet more time passed, and still they were above the sea, uh, and the north wind uh, grew tired, and more tired, and thus was so utterly weary that he was scarcely able to, to blow any longer. And he sank and sank lower and lower, until at last he went so low uh, that the waves dashed against the heels of the poor girl he was carrying. Uh, Art thou afraid? <laughs> said the north wind. I have no fear, said she, and it was true. Oh, but they were not very, very far from the land, and there was just enough strength left in the north wind to enable him to, to blow her under the shore. Immediately, uh, under the windows of a castle which lay east of the sun and west of the moon, uh, but then uh, he was so weary and worn out that he was forced to rest for several days before he could go on to his home again. Uh, next morning, she sat down beneath the walls of the castle to play with the golden apple. And the first person she saw was the maiden uh, with the long nose, who was uh, to have the prince. Uh, how much uh, do you want for that gold apple of yours, girl? said she, opening the window. Yeah, it can't be bought either for gold or money, answered the girl. If it cannot be bought either for gold or money, uh, well, we'll buy it. Uh, you may say what you please, hmm, said the princess. Well... If I may go to the prince who is here and be with him tonight, you shall have it. Well, that's weird. And the girl who had come with the north wind, uh, oh, said the girl who had come with the north wind, uh, you may do that, said the little princess, uh, for she had made up her mind that 
what she would do. So the princess got the golden apple. But when the girl went up to the prince's apartment that night, it was uh, he was asleep, for the princess had so contrived it. <coughs> the poor girl called to him and shook him, and between whilst she wept, but she could not wake him. In the morning, as soon as day dawned, uh, in came the princess with a long nose uh, and drove her out again. In the daytime, she sat down once more beneath the windows of the castle and uh, began, to, began to card with her golden carding comb. Uh, and then all uh, happened as it had happened before. The princess asked her what she wanted for it, and she replied that it was not for sale, either for gold or money, but that if she could get leave uh, to go to the prince and be with him during the night, uh, she should have it. But when she went up to the prince's room, uh, yeah, he's asleep again, and uh, let her call on him or shake him or weep as she would, he slept on, and she could not put any life into him. When daylight came in the morning, uh, the princess with the long nose came too, and once more drove her away. When day had quite come, the girl seated herself into the castle and said, thank God there's only one more item. To spin with her golden spinning wheel. How has she been carrying around a whole huge golden spinning wheel? Don't you, like, sit on it and the wheel spins and you get thread through it? And the princess, with the long nose, wanted to have that also. So she opened the window and asked what she could take for it. The girl said that uh, what she had said on each of the former occasions, that it was not for sale, either for gold or money, but if she could get it to the princess, they would there in the night, with the night, and they'd have it. Yes, said the princess. I will gladly consent to that. But in that place there were some Christian folk, oh, weird, who had been carried off, and they had been sitting in the chamber which was next to that of the prince, and had heard how a woman had been in there uh, who had wept and called on him two nights running, and they were told the prince of this. So that evening, when the princess came once more with her sleeping drink, he pretended to drink, uh, but threw it away behind him, for he suspected that it was a sleeping drink. So when the girl went into the prince's room, this time he was awake, and she had to tell him about how she got there. Uh, You've come just in time, said the prince, for I should have been married tomorrow. But I will not have a long-nosed princess, and you alone can save me. I will say that I want to see what my bride can do, and bid her wash the shirt which has the three drops of tallow on it. This... She will consent to do, for she does not know uh, that it is you who let them fall on it. But no one can wash them out before the one born of Christian folk. It cannot be done by one of the pack of trolls. And then I will say that no one shall ever be my bride but the woman who can do this. And I know that you can. Yeah, there was great joy and gladness between them. Hmm, hmm, hmm. All night. But the next... Oh... Oh, I get what the great joy and gladness was going on all night. But the next day, when the wedding was to take place, the prince said, I must see what my bride can do. Uh, That you may do, said the stepmother. Uh, I have a fine shirt, which I want to wear as my wedding shirt. But uh, three drops of tallow I got upon it, which I want to have washed off. And I have vowed to marry no one but the woman who is able to do it. If she cannot do that, she's not worth having. Well, that was a very small matter, they thought, and they agreed to it. The princess, with the long nose, uh, began to wash as well as she could, but, but the more she washed and rubbed, the larger the spots grew. Nah, you can't wash it all, said the old troll hag, who was his, her mother. Give it to me. But she, too, had not the shirt very long in her hands before. It looked worse still, and the more she washed and rubbed it, the larger and blacker spots uh, the spots grew. 
So the other trolls uh, had to come and wash. But uh, the more they did, the blacker and uglier grew the shirt, until at length it was as black as if it had been up the chimney. Ah, ah, cried the prince. Not one of you is good for anything at all. There's a beggar girl sitting outside the window, and I'll be bound that she can wash better than any of you. Come in, you girl there, he cried. So she came in. Can you wash this shirt clean? He cried. No, exclamation point. I don't know, she said, but I'll try. And no sooner had she taken the shirt and dipped it in the water than it was white as driven snow, ah, and whiter than that. And I will marry you, said the prince. Then the old troll hag flew into such a rage that she, she burst. And the princess with the long nose and all the other little trolls must have burst too, for they have never been heard of since. The prince and his bride set free all the Christian folk who were imprisoned there. Weird. Weird that his bedroom is right next to a, a, a place where they chained up Christian people <laughs> and took away with them all the gold and silver that they could carry and moved far away from the castle, which lay east of the sun and west of the moon. Let's review what we just read. Uh, there's a family that's poor. Bear walks up and says, I want your girl. The dad asks her. She says, no. And the dad goes back to the bear and says, nah, give it a week. I'll talk her into it. And then he does. Uh, and then, uh, so she goes off with the bear, who uh, turns into a man to have sex with her. Uh, but it's always dark. She can't see his face. So she goes back home because uh, the bear lets her. She could have just taken the bell and done anything she wanted in the world. They always do that in these stories. But she doesn't take advantage of it. Uh, and then uh, the mom gives her the candle, which drips tallow on him. And then she sees his face, and he's so handsome. And then she screws it up, and so now he's got to leave. And then she rides horses repetitively, and then different winds. And I don't understand how that works. Uh, winds have homes and backs, so I don't get how this works. Uh, but anyways, uh, then she finally gets to the castle three times, tricks the long-nosed bride-to-be, uh, and then randomly there's a bunch of Christians in the next bedroom chained to the wall of this castle where the prince is sleeping every night. He's going to bed listening to people moaning and stuff in the, oh, the room next to him. And you know that he can hear them because they heard her weeping and crying over the sleeping prince. So, eventually, uh, tricks are made, the prince and the woman are married, and the troll woman all disappeared. So, uh, what's good about it? Uh, I don't know. Epic, epic journey. I don't know. I mean, it was fine. It was weird. Uh, this is supposed to be compared to Beauty and the Beast. I've never really seen the whole Beauty and the Beast thing. Uh, but, yeah, so there you go. The weird, repetitive thing i've seen this in the red fairy book and uh it gets pretty frustrating it's like you're slowly going insane having to read the same stuff over and over uh that's i guess it goes into what sucks uh but it was a story what do we learn uh we learned that uh you gotta fake it till you make it <laughs> so there you go <laughs> oh and also apparently be christian is what we learned here if you're christian uh, you can clean shirts. So, oh, and also you got Christian buddies who will 
whisper to princes for you. Like, don't drink the sleepy drink. Well, so that was uh, something we learned. With that, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, be sure to uh, tell, tell your friends. Uh, do the thing where you get on iTunes and like it. Uh, and if you want to learn anything else about previous episodes, go to the website, uh, nuzzlehouse.com, where you can also email if you're just dying to say something. Thanks for listening.